Julie and her big mouth. Here we go. She said it. She said it. Now, actually, um, I want to start um, this series uh, a way that I've never started a series, I, I think ever, um, or a message. I've never started a series or a message this way. I actually want us um, out loud together to say the title of the series. All right? You, can we do this? We're not moving on until we do, so <laughs> you better do it, all right? So here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Me and my big mouth. Yeah, this series is about you and your big mouth, not your husband and his big mouth, not your wife and her big mouth, not your brother and his big mouth, not your sister-in-law and her big mouth, not your boss and his big mouth or her big mouth. This series is about you and your big mouth. So one more time. There was a lot of passion and energy in that first time. So let's do it again. Just one more time, just to reiterate it. Ready? Me and my big mouth. Yeah, for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what we talk about because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this, right? What, what, what we say, how we say it, the things that come out of our mouth. And, and, and the, the cool thing about this series, I, I have the advantage of being able to kind of see the whole thing um, as it, as it, before it actually comes and, and goes live. The cool thing about this series is if, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's so much to mine throughout this series. But if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're not sure what you believe, or maybe you're coming back, or you're trying to figure that out, there is so much for you too. It, 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 there's so much practical, applicable things that we can learn from Scripture when it comes to what we say, the power of our words for good and for bad, and, and, and we all have one of these. So anybody and everybody who has one of these and uses it, this, this series is for you. I also realized that um, like the things that we're going to talk about probably aren't going to be new. There's nothing new that you're going to hear. Um, this is a review. This is a tune-up. This is just going back to, oh yeah, that's, that's, I, that, I've heard that before. Maybe you've never heard it like this before, but I just think we need to focus on this for a few weeks because the words that come out of our mouth are way more important than sometimes we give them credit for. So for four weeks, that's what we're going to do. For the first three weeks, um, we're actually going to hang out in the same block of Scripture called Proverbs in the Old Testament. Um, there's um, hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs, but of the hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs, there's about 150 of them that deal specifically with the words that we say. Again, for, for, for better or for worse. We're not going to look at all 150 of them, uh, but let me just give you three real quick just to get you a little bit of a, uh, of a heads up here. Here's Proverbs 16.24. Kind words are like what? Honey. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Here's another one, Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise, what do the words of the wise do? Bring healing. So there's kind words, there's healing words. And then last one we'll look at here, worry. Weighs a person down, an encouraging word cheers a person up. So there's just three of the 150 Proverbs that have to do with you and your big mouth. Now notice, they're really short, right? 
Like, in, in fact, the majority of Proverbs are just two-liners. It's called a couplet. And we believe that many of these um, were, were written by King Solomon, son of King David, about a thousand years before the life of Jesus. But Solomon not only crafted Proverbs, he also collected them. Whenever he was out in the countryside and he heard something wise, or maybe he was in another country, and he heard from, from their perspective, from their culture, he would bring these back. And what we have in Proverbs is a collection of these, of these wise sayings. That's what a proverb is. It's a really big, broad concept melted down to a two-liner. And if you want to get anything out of it, when you read Proverbs, when you study Proverbs, you have to sit with it. You got to soak it in. You got you to ask questions like, where is that true? And why is that true? And how is that true for me? Where, where do I see that at play in my life? Like simply reading a proverb, it's, it's not all that helpful. You got to sit with it. You got to soak it in. You got to chew on it. You got to see where it applies. So just go back to the one we just, just read. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Like how is worry like a weight? We feel heavy when it's like there's a backpack with rocks on our back, right? We even have language for this, like my heart is heavy. Worry weighs a person down. But what is it about an encouraging word that kind of makes the worry feel a little bit lighter? Why is it that when people speak encouraging words into my life, especially when I'm worried, especially when my heart is heavy, why is that? That it, it just kind of feels a little bit lighter. And how can I do that for other people? Like, I like it, people doing it for me. How can I do that for other people? Where are the, the situations? Where are the relationships? Where, where are people around me that I see are really struggling right now? Where can I do that? And now we're sitting with the proverb. We're soaking in it. We're chewing on it. We're seeing where it can apply in our life. And, and as much as I would love for the conversation today to be about kind words and encouraging words and healing words, that's not where we're going to go. Um, our lead-off conversation for this series is all about hollow words. Hollow words. And what do I mean about hollow words? We're going to look at three different categories of hollow words. The first one is, is the promises we make but don't keep. The second one is being heavy on talk and light on action. And last but not least, words we say without thinking first. We're just going to have an open, honest conversation about hollow words, about identifying them, um, exposing them, curbing them, harnessing them in our lives. And, and I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and ask this right out of the gate, because we're coming off of Easter, right? We're seven days away from Easter. Let me ask you this. Do you think the crucified, resurrected Jesus would be interested in transforming your life by transforming the way you talk? Is it possible that one of the ways that we are set apart as the people of God is in the way we talk? Would the crucified, resurrected Jesus be interested in transforming us by transforming the way we talk? So that's what we're going after through the book of Proverbs today, dealing specifically with those three categories of hollow words. So first one, first one is promising words. Promising words. What I mean by that are promises we don't deliver on or follow through with. The, the promises we make 
but don't keep. Okay, the Proverbs we're going to go with here is Proverbs 25, 14. It says this, a person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Now, when we don't get any rain, like worst case scenario, your grass dies. Your, your lawn gets brown. And depending on who you are, that's a travesty. And some people, it's just like, who cares, right? But in an agrarian society like ancient Israel, if you don't get rain for a long time, it affects crops, which affects your livelihood, which affects your, your, your ability to make a living, which affects your, your financial survival. I mean, they didn't have um, infrastructure. They didn't have electric pumps. They didn't have irrigation. Many of the farms were up on the side of hills. So they were 100% reliant on rain. So here's, here's the image that I kind of want you to get in your head. If, if your field is desperately needing rain and the clouds are coming and they're building and they're coming and they're building and they're still coming, <laughs> they're still building, but there's no rain. It's all clouds, no rain. The, the proverb here is, is, is likening that with making a promise and not keeping it. It's all clouds, no rain. So the painter said he'd show up on Monday to give you a bid. And it's Tuesday. And now it's Wednesday. And now it's Thursday. And now it's Friday. I think my phone still works. All clouds, no rain. Or maybe you volunteered um, to, to, to find four adults to accompany your son or daughter's class on the field trip. So you text you email, you call, you line up three other volunteers that can help you plus you. And then the day before someone texts you and says, I'm sorry, I got to drop out. I, something came up. And then the morning of somebody calls and says, I'm sorry, something came up at work. I can't be there. A person who makes a promise and does not keep it is like wind and clouds with no rain. Here it comes and there it goes. All right. Now, now before we move on, let's just be clear. Life happens. Like we probably, we probably shouldn't keep all the promises we make. Like if your daughter throws up in the back of the van on the way to school to get to the field trip, turn around and go home, right? Like that's a promise you probably shouldn't keep. But here's, here's the qualifier. Backing out of our promises should be rare, not routine especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Like backing out of our promise, they should be rare, not routine. Like if you volunteer to, 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 to work at Kids Point on the weekend and your appendix bursts on the way, don't come here. Go to the hospital, right? If you, if you volunteer to host a small group and, and before that, during the week, a storm comes through and knocks out your power for a couple days, it's perfectly fine to call everybody and say, hey, can somebody else host Tonight, like that's, that life happens. We all know life happens. But backing out of promises, that should be rare, not routine. Um, there are people, you guys know this, there are people who make promises who have absolutely no intention of following through on them. Like, like there are people that you've worked for before that will say everything they think you need to hear to keep you in that job. Or there's relationships that you're in that that person will say whatever you think that they need to hear to keep you in that relationship. 
or, or people really, really highly skilled at saying whatever they need to say to sell you whatever it is they're selling. And can I just, can I just say, I'm going to push a little bit here. Don't be that kind of person. Don't be that kind of person. Do whatever you can in business and relationships. Not to be the all clouds, no rain kind of person. Do whatever you can. Some people, they make promises and they have no intention of keeping them. And then there's some people who are in intending to keep every promise they make, but they're chronically overcommitted. It's the other side of that coin. It's like, why did you say yes to that? You don't have time to do that. I know, but I'm just such a helper. <laughs> I want to help people. And anytime they ask me, it's hard for me to say no. And then I get in and I get overcommitted. And then I have to actually back out and I'm not able to help. Like there's people who, and they don't, they don't tend to keep any promise they make, but then there are people who are completely overcommitted. Um, Simon Sinek um, is, is an author. He's a public speaker. He wrote Start With Why. He's got a lot of popular TED Talks and, and, and YouTube videos, but he talks about um, a conversation he has, especially with younger people, 20s, 30s. And, and he says 20, 20, old, 20 year olds, 30 year olds feel like most of their relationships are shallow and superficial. And he talks about one of the reasons they feel that way is because whenever they talk about getting together and hanging out, they'll say, oh yeah, let's hang out. But what they mean is, hey, let's hang out unless something better comes along. Yeah, let's hang out. Absolutely. Friday night. Yeah, I'll be there unless something better comes along. They won't say that last part, but that's what they mean. And they start to feel, number one, they start to feel devalued and number two, they feel like that relationship is just superficial. It's, there's, no, there's nothing deep about it. Because how does that make you feel? Yeah, let's hang out, absolutely. Unless somebody else comes along. That is a better option. It's an all clouds, no rain kind of scenario. So, so here's the challenge, I think, from this proverb. Make promises you can keep and keep the promises you make as much as possible. Make promises you can keep and keep the promises you make as much as possible. That's the first category, promising words. Second category is what we're going to call only words. Only words. What I mean by that is, is when we're heavy on talk and low on action. You've heard the phrase, um, you know, that guy talks a good game, right? Like that, he talks a good game. It, it, it means somebody who talks a lot but doesn't really back it up. And it's it, people who are known for this. Here's the proverb for this one, Proverbs 14, 23. Work brings profit, but, two words, mere talk leads to poverty. If you, if you roll up your sleeves and get to work, chances are you're going to get paid for it. Like there's, there is profit, there's productivity downstream. But just talk, 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 mere talk leads to poverty. Again, in an agrarian culture, there's a difference between plowing a field and talking about plowing a field. There, there's a difference between planting the crop and saying, yeah, I should probably go plant the crop. There's a difference between getting out on a hot, dusty day and harvesting your grain and talking about maybe let's wait until it gets a little cooler out and then I'll go harvest the grain. There's a difference between those two. That's what this proverb is saying. Hard work leads to profit and productivity. 
But if all you do is talk a good game, that, that actually lends to ruin. So let's, let's bring it to modern day. You and your spouse have talked about going to see a counselor. You've, you've talked about putting together a budget and sticking to it. You, you've talked about how your job is killing you a day at a time, and you need to put together a resume so you can make a change. You've talked about it. You've talked about getting back into an exercise routine. You've talked about going back to school and finishing your degree. You've talked about it. You've talked about it, but it's mere talk. There, there, there are times to talk about these things. Yes, absolutely. And then there's a time to stop talking about them and do something. Do something. Now, again, not everything we talk about is worth doing, right? Like you've talked about getting a wave runner for 15 years. That, who cares, Right? <laughs> It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Keep talking about getting a wave runner, right? You, you, you talked about going to Alaska. Keep talking about it. It doesn't matter. I, I, I don't think that's real central to your life. So keep talking about it. But let's distinguish between non-critical and critical. There's some things in life, like finishing the basement. That's not that critical. And I guess depending on who you are, I just probably started some arguments right there. <laughs> Sorry about that. There, there are some things that are critical and some things that aren't critical. There are some things that just talking about, okay, that's fine. But there are some things that, that aren't. And, and I would suggest, there's a few. We've just talked about a couple of them. Like, did you know you'll never complain your marriage to health? That will never happen. Like, there's a moment, there's a time, there's a season to talk about the heartache and the brokenness of having a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. That, yeah, that's tough. But maybe it's time to do something to repair that relationship. Let's differentiate between non-critical and critical. Here's, here's, here's what I'm saying. Beware of being heavy on talk and light on action. Beware of, of being simply talking about injustice but never doing anything about it. And no, posting articles and statements on Facebook is not doing something about injustice. Do something. Beware. <laughs> Beware of simply talking about finding a church and getting plugged in and being encouraged and being fed and never actually taking the steps to do that and then plug in and give and serve to that body. Beware of simply talking about spending more than you make and getting further in debt and never doing something about that. Beware of simply talking about the cynicism and the anger that just continues to creep into your heart and never doing anything to root it out. You just let it run wild because all you're doing is talking about it. Beware of being heavy on talk and light on action. I, I just wonder. I don't know. But I wonder if there are those here today who will get to the point down the road, two weeks, two years, two months, two decades, and you'll look back and you'll say, I remember the day I stopped talking about that and started doing something about it. But you'll never get to that point if all you ever do is talk. 
do something about it. This is, this is part of, it's, it's not a part of the message. This one's free. This is a part of the abundant life Jesus came to give you. That we're not just talking. We're not just, we're, we're, we're not just talking about stuff. We're actually doing something about what we say. Hollow words are heavy on talk, light on action. And I just wonder how many of us will walk out of this place or walk away from that screen with finally deciding, me and my big mouth have talked about this enough. It's time for me to do something. Third category. Third category of hollow words. We'll call them too many words. Too many words. Proverb we're looking at for this one is Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. When words are many, sin is not absent. Listen, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on about this for days and weeks and months. You guys didn't get that. That was a joke, okay? You get it later. Fact. In fact, this is how much I love you, okay? This is how much I love you guys. I'm using this proverb in the message, already knowing you're going to use it against me. Somebody's going to come up to me or send me an email and Tim, Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, sin is not absent. You should probably shorten the message a little bit. The words were many, right? And I will reply, Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. <laughs> little fun with Proverbs there. Let's move on. This is, this, 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 this is those of you who are note takers, this is really technical Really complex, so you might want to take some notes on this. Okay, this is how conversations work when they're working the best. Okay, here's how it goes you think, and then you talk, and then you think some more, and then you talk. Nobody's writing this down. Like, <laughs> you think, and then you talk. That's how conversations work best when we're in conversations with people, we think, and then we talk. But the way that conversations go a lot of times is more like this. Talk, 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 talk. We just talk. We just talk, and we talk, and we talk. We talk without thinking. We talk without listening. We talk without coming up for air. We just talk, and we talk, and we talk, and we talk, and we find ourselves going into places we shouldn't go. I actually want to show you that from this proverb, okay? Back to the proverb, Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, sin is not absent. The word I want you to circle here is sin. Sin, this, this word means different things throughout scripture, but one of them means to trespass. Some of you, you grew up in a religious tradition where when you prayed the Lord's Prayer, you prayed, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's the word sin here. It's trespass. And so the image I want you to get in your mind is of, of a door. No admittance. You can't go in there. You may barge right through it. You may ignore the sign, but you're not allowed to go in there. That's what Proverbs 10, 19 is saying. It's pointing to the times when we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk and we end up going into places we should never go, which includes the words we type. Which includes the words we type with our thumbs. We're trespassing. We're going into places we don't belong. We go into places that we're not allowed. 
that we should never, you're, you're going into places by, by ending up saying negative things about people who aren't there. You're, you're throwing stones at people or situations that you know very little about. It's those times where, where you find yourself questioning or judging other people's motives. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard enough time discerning my own motives. How in the world am I going to judge somebody else's? How am I going to ridicule somebody else's? When words are many, sin is not absent. I just talk and I talk and I talk and I end up in space. I don't belong. And, and while you're talking, I can guarantee you're not listening. You're not inquiring. You're not learning. The, the image of trespassing, such a powerful image. When words are many, we end up in spaces we shouldn't even go. But the wise, the other side of that is the wise person holds their tongue. And there are dozens of places and, and environments and relationships where that counsel, that advice, that wisdom is really, really helpful. I'm sure you've already thought of some. I'm sure you've thought of some that you wish you could go back <laughs> and apply this to. But I, I want to talk about two specifically, okay? And these are not the two times, the two environments, the two spaces. These are just two of the many that we're going to talk about, okay? One of them is when you're exhausted, when you're tired, when you're run down, when you're emotionally spent. That's a, that's a time, that's a place where you should just decide, I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm going to let my words be few. This is a lesson I'm still learning, by the way. Like, like I, I, I don't do, just give you a little bit of snapshot into my life. I don't do a whole lot of talking from Sunday at about 1230 until Monday morning because I'm spent. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally, I'm, I'm physically even sometimes. I'm just exhausted. I do more talking on Sunday morning with, with, with both services and pe talking to people in between service. I do more talking on Sunday morning than I do the rest of the week. And that it, it, just, it just wears me out. It makes me tired. So I don't do a whole lot of talking in between Sunday about noon until Monday morning. I know if I do, when I'm emotionally spent, I need to draw on this proverb. When words are many, sin is not absent. <laughs> but the wise, the wise person holds their tongue. And so one time, one environment, we should let our words be few, is when we're emotionally drained, when we're physically tired, when we're exhausted. Second time, second environment is family arguments. Now, I have never personally been in one of these before, but I've heard <laughs> they happened. I wish that were true. I really wish that were true. Here, here's, here's the irony of my life. Again, this is therapy for me, so I'm just going to keep talking, okay? Here's the irony of my life. One of the main responsibilities of my occupation is to be a verbal communicator, right? And, and a large part of my job is to value word choice and line of reasoning and, and, and saying things clearly. I don't always do that. I've said some really dumb things from this chair, but I work really hard at, at trying to do that as best as I can. But in a family argument, all that stuff goes out the window. And I move very quickly from relating to reasoning, to ranting. Relating to reasoning to ranting. Please tell me I'm not the only one. Anybody else in here deal with this? Yeah. 
Yeah, I've learned. <laughs> I've learned. Whenever the conversation reaches the point of, no, you don't understand me, I should have shut it about five minutes ago. Because, because nobody in my family, nobody in my life is going to open their heart to me when I'm ranting at them. <laughs> I mean, one of, the, one of the, the biggest embarrassments and blunders, and yes, sin in my life, is that the people I love most have to deal with me and my big mouth the most. And, and, and one of the greatest gifts, one of the things I'm most thankful for is that my wife and my kids are so gracious and forgiving of that in me. But it's because, it's because I've gone into a family argument and I forgot Proverbs 10, 19. So, so, so please hear me. I'm talking to myself as much as I am talking to you. As an argument starts to heat up, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue, hold your tongue, hold your tongue. When you get to the no, 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 you don't understand me, there's very little positive that can happen from that point forward. And there's a whole bunch of repair work done to do on the other side of that. We should let our words be few during family arguments. And speaking of family, we're going to look at this in, in a little bit more depth later on in the series. But James, the brother of Jesus, he has something to say about this as well. Um, this, these, these Proverbs happened a thousand years before Jesus, and then Jesus reiterated some of this. And then after Jesus was, was gone, they, they continued to talk about that. So James, in advising Christians, he loved, he loves these people. He says, about, he says this about me and my big mouth. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be three things. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, I love you. I want what's best for you. So please hear my heart in this. Please take note of this. Please pay attention to this. Each of you should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Moms and dads, brothers, sisters, grandmas, grandpas, Aunts and uncles, step siblings, stepmom, stepdad. What would that one verse change in the dynamic of your home? <laughs> like, what would that change in your business? What would that change in that business partnership or, 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 or a board setting, a board meeting setting? It would, it would revolutionize the dynamics of public conversations in our country. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And Christians, we should go first. We should be leading the way on this. Because James wrote this to followers of Jesus. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about controlling, harnessing, curbing, hollow words. And, and, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say this. You're, if you're trying to figure Jesus out, maybe this is your first time to watch us online, or maybe your first time to be here in church with us, and, and you're coming back, and 
you've got so many questions about God and Jesus, and I haven't answered any of them today. I just want you to pay attention to this one thing. Okay? We're going to talk about this more in a couple weeks. But that verse we just talked about, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Did you know that's exactly what your heavenly father did for you in Jesus? I mean, get this. He sent his son into the world as one who could not speak. When God sent his son into the world, he didn't send him as, 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 as a, a preacher or a prophet or a teacher or an author or a wordsmith. This is one of the reasons I believe the gospel narratives are true, because nobody makes this up. When God sent Jesus into this world, he sent him into this world as a baby who was speechless. And for 30 years, he just experienced life like you and I experienced life. The ups, the downs, the goodness, the sadness, the heartache, the funerals, the watching Rome invade his culture and dominate them for 30 years. He just listened and experienced life like you and I experienced it. And then when he did finally speak on the world stage, people flocked to him. And do you know why they flocked to him? Because he talked, he taught, he related to them as one who listened. He related, in fact, one of the gospel writers says that they were amazed when Jesus spoke, because he taught as one who had authority, unlike their religious leaders. Like, like Jesus was nothing like them, and yet they felt like Jesus liked them, even in the way that he talked, even the way that he taught. He spoke as a person who had a different kind of authority, and they felt understood. Jesus was quick to listen. He was slow to speak for 30 years and slow to become angry with you and with me. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is, and that's who your heavenly Father sent into this world to be your Redeemer. So as we've gone through these categories, making promises, following through, being heavy on words, light on action, talk, 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 talking, and ending up in rooms we don't belong in, all of us can say, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt a couple times, me and my big mouth have, have visited those places often. And I don't say that to shame us. I say that to remind you of what I said at the very beginning. That do you think the crucified, resurrected Jesus might be interested in transforming us from the inside out? And part of transforming us is transforming the way we use hollow words. That wasn't just a rhetorical question. Because the cross of Jesus forgives the sin, the trespasses of our life, including the sin of me and my big mouth. But it gets better than that because the resurrection empowers me to live a brand new kind of life, to change me from the inside out. And Jesus transforms us. When he transforms us, it includes transforming what comes out of me and my big mouth. And that's the invitation today. That's the invitation today. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow the, the, the crucified, resurrected Jesus. And as you follow him, he, he will open your heart to his spirit. 
He will transform you from the inside out, and that includes transforming the way that you make and keep promises. That includes transforming the way that we take action on things that we talk about. And that includes transforming the way we make sure we don't talk ourselves into places that we don't belong. There's the invitation. You ready to follow Jesus? Ready to walk out those doors this week and follow him? And then you come back next week for part two as we continue to talk about me and my big mouth. But for now, that's all I got to say about that. Have a great week. You're dismissed.